and I'll pick out a couple verses for us to read together, so make sure you're following along. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24, the Word of God says, Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. Uh, But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, uh, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Verse 15, And when they heard, one of them heard them set at meat, heard these things, he said unto them, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man bade a great supper, or made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, and let's read this part together, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the next verse together. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And then I'll read the... Verse 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the wise words of the Son of God. And thank you that you have preserved them here for us. We pray that you would teach us tonight uh, these wonderful lessons from your book in one specific application. And situation, and then as we can apply these truths to our lives in many different ways. Pray you bless our church. Be with those who are ill tonight and those who are out of town. We thank you for these that are here. Pray you'd speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this parable is just an amazing truth. Uh, Jesus was teaching the lesson in verse 12. He said, Listen, when you call a, a dinner or a supper, don't just call your friends. And don't just call those who you feel like can pay you back, uh, the ones who are rich that might elevate your social standing, uh, the ones who might invite you back to dinner. Uh, But invite others. Invite those that can't do anything for you. Invite those that nobody else would invite to their dinner. And then uh, someone made a statement And then Jesus told this parable that we read, the parable of the Great Supper. And the parable is easy to understand. Initially, a certain man made a great supper and bade many, so he invited many people. They set a date. People had consented that they would be there. And so on the day of, imagine all the preparation that goes into the meal, the buying of the food, the slaying of the animals, the cooking, the preparation of the tables and the silverware and the decorations and just all that goes into putting on a large meal or a banquet like we would do at our church. There's just tons and tons of hours and hours that go into these things. And then he sends a servant to say, okay, we're ready now, you can come. And they begin to make excuse. Well, the food's hot. 
The places are set. The banquet's ready. Uh, And yet, they begin to make excuse. And we won't take time to go through the foolish excuses that they made. Uh, But you understand that these were empty excuses. uh, As most excuses are. One man said, if you're good at making excuses, you're not good at anything else. Think about that. They begin to make excuses. The truth is they just didn't want to come. But here's a master. The servant came back in verse 21. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being, what's the next word? Angry. Angry. Angry at the preparation. Angry at the thought of wasted food, of wasted opportunity. If you'd told me that no one was coming, we wouldn't have gone to all this trouble. We wouldn't have set the tables and and killed the animals and and cooked the food. So there's anger. You said you were coming. Now all of you, none of you are coming. And so the master said, we're not going to waste this food. We're not going to waste this opportunity. And he told his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the holt and the blind. Those were the unwanted. Nobody invited those to the banquets. Nobody wanted them. They couldn't do anything for you. But the servant said, my master wants them. My master wants them at his table. And then he came back and there was yet room. So the master sent the servant out. Okay, go further, go wider. You've gotten all the people around here. You've gotten the ones easy to get to. Go out into the highways and the hedges, the the country and the the country roads and down the, the dead end paths and find anybody you can to come to my meal because I don't want it to be wasted. And of course, in this parable, we see a wonderful illustration of the heart of God. God is preparing the great marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. Christ has been sacrificed. The debt of sin has been paid for those who will accept it. Oh, and there's many today that make excuses. Some say, I'm too busy for God. Others say, I don't believe in that. I'm too smart for that. I have too many possessions to play with. But you see, the Lord wants everybody to get saved who will possibly get saved. And I'm thankful that God does accept the poor and the halt and the maimed and the blind. Thankful that God wants the unwanted. He loves the unlovable. And we ought to be the same. And as I consider this parable, I think about our church and I think that probably the ministry of Curtis Corner Baptist Church that most closely resembles this parable is the bus ministry. Going out to the highways and hedges and compelling people to come in. Going after the poor and the halt and the maimed and the blind. Uh, God has blessed the bus ministries of soul winning churches for many years and As I was out of town this past week, Monday and Tuesday, I was at a bus reunion, bus conference, and was reminded many blessings of the bus ministry. I was reminded of my years in uh, inner city work and and suburban work in Chicago and all the wonderful stories there. I met great friends that I used to work with. And then at the end of the week, I went to a funeral for a lady who was my bus worker. Her dad was the bus driver. Her dad won me to Christ, was my Sunday school teacher. He drove the bus every week. She was the one up in the front singing the songs. And I still remember she would lead the children 
making sure we didn't get into too much trouble while Brother Bo was driving. And she would have poster boards with the songs written out, teaching the new kids new songs. And she would lead us in the games, and she would tell me that now you've been here three weeks in a row, you can come up and get out of the faithful box. And what a big deal that was. And Miss Tina uh, was a very important part of the bus ministry where I was saved and and I came to Christ and, and grew and learned about the things of God. And so my mind and heart has been on the, the bus ministry uh, this week. I'm thankful that Curtis Corner Baptist Church has a bus ministry. I'm grateful that we've had one all these years. And even before I got here, there was a, a van ministry. And Brother Owen would go around and round kids up for the, the van and uh, donate vans. We'd run through them and tear them up, and he'd just donate another one. We'd tear that one up and run it in the ground. He'd donate another one. And thankful that, that we have a history of uh, going after the, the, the young people and the poor. You know, Brother Owen told me years ago that he was going to a church, and he had the idea he wanted to donate a bus and go out and, and bring people to church. And the pastor was like, well, we really don't want those people here. Think about that. You know, there are churches that don't want kids running around. There are churches that don't want the expense. They don't want the problems. But I'm glad Curtis Corner Baptist Church has a heart for souls. And all these years we've been going after souls on the streets, door to door, nursing home to nursing home, hospital to hospital, jail to jail, prison to prison. I mean, we just want to go after sinners wherever they are. Amen. Uh, we don't care whether they're rich or poor, old or young, fat or skinny, black or white. We're just going after sinners because Jesus died for everybody. And as I think about the bus ministry, I've, I've had these thoughts that how much God has blessed bus ministries of soul winning churches. The bus ministry is the greatest evangelistic tool of the last hundred years. And probably more than that. Think about that. Of the last hundred years... Uh, the bus ministry has brought more people to Christ than any other ministry in local churches. That's pretty impressive. If that's true, why is it that so many churches have stopped running their buses? Is the bus ministry no longer effective? No, on the contrary, people are saved each week through bus ministries across the world, not just the nation, the world. In the Philippines and in some countries in the Philippines, they'll have things called jeepneys where they'll take little van slash bus slash truck looking things and they'll have 30 people hanging off of it. I mean, piled inside of it, hanging off of it, sitting on the top of it. I mean, they'll just drive them uh, to church. Uh, in one country, they had little mopeds and they would fit entire families on mopeds. I've seen a picture where it's just insane. Uh, you got people riding, not just sitting here, but like hanging off of it with one foot, like hanging on on both sides of the, the moped and as they're driving and getting people to Jesus, getting people to church. Uh, people are saved each week throughout bus ministries across the world. Uh, boy, the bus ministry has been much maligned by critics and abandoned by liberals. Some people say, oh, the bus ministry doesn't work anymore. Works for us. Works for countless others. Uh, some people say, well, uh, that's just not the right way to do things. I think of the old preacher that someone came to, I believe it was D.L. Moody, and they said, uh, we don't like the way, the way you're, you're evangelistic push. We don't like how pushy you are. We don't like the way you, 
you win souls to Christ. And D.L. Moody, I believe it was him, said, well, how do you do it? And the man said, well, I don't. And the preacher said, well, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. It's amazing how people who aren't doing it are critical of all the ways those who are doing it. And I'd rather do it than to sit back in, in some classroom or sit back in some study thinking that I have all the answers while the world goes to hell. And so why is it that, that these ministries have been stopped? Satan desires to remove bus ministries from churches in order to stop God's work. If the bus ministry has been so used of God, if it's still being used of God, then it makes sense that Satan's going to do whatever he can to stop the buses from running to keep people from being saved. We were blessed this morning by young people riding buses and adults riding buses, and our church wouldn't be the same without it. A bus ministry changes a church. It changes the identity of a church, the, the, the DNA of a church, the, the fabric, the, the culture of the church. And I'm thankful uh, for the benefits of the bus ministry, but that's another sermon entirely. I will say this, that having a bus ministry is not a biblical mandate. Good churches can elect to forego having a bus ministry for a number of believable reasons. There may even come a day in America when having a church bus ministry is no longer an option. Satan has tried over the years to use politics, laws, social pressure, insurance companies, fuel costs, insurance denials, etc. to stop the bus ministry in the past, and I'm sure he's not going to stop. He's going to continue doing that. Uh, the world's largest bus ministry there in Ham, and they came within days, many years ago, they came within days of having to stop running the buses because all the insurance companies decided that they wouldn't insure them. And imagine the thousands of kids that would have to stay home. The tens of thousands that wouldn't have gotten saved and baptized. But there was one insurance man in Chicago that said, I'll insure your buses. And all these years he's been insuring the buses. Matter of fact, he ended up getting saved, joining the church, and today he sings in the choir. But God used him. But Satan's always trying to disrupt the bus ministry because it's so effective. But I pray as long as God allows, we'll always have a bus ministry here at Curtis Corner Baptist Church. Let's decide together that we're not going to allow the devil to disrupt this important ministry. In thinking about all that, I've thought about if I were Satan, how would I kill a bus ministry? Why do bus ministries die? Why do they stop running? And I'm going to give you an outline. Hopefully none of you will try to use it. <laughs> I'm going to give you an outline of how to kill the bus ministry. And then we'll go to the house. Let me say number one, how do you kill the bus ministry? Stop caring for the poor. Just stop caring for the poor. See, if you don't care about poor people, the bus ministry doesn't make sense. The bus ministry is not reaching rich people. We don't run the buses over to Ocean Road and stop by $7 million mansions and pop open the door and Brother Patrick runs to the door, knocks on the door. You know, Jeeves answers the door. 
Uh, yes, are, are Wilberforce and Sienna coming on the bus today? Uh, let me check with you, Master BD. Let me check with you. And he goes in the house. No, that's not the way it works. Bus ministry isn't for rich people. It's for the poor. For those who can't drive themselves often. It's for children whose parents can't or won't bring them to church. Can I say it like this? It's for the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. You see, these back in the Bible days, they were the outcasts of society. They couldn't take care of themselves. They were social pariahs. They were unwanted and helpless people. Yet the master of the house here thought they were worthy to be invited to the supper. I'm glad that God loves the poor. I'm thrilled that Jesus is a friend of publicans and sinners. I'm glad that God still saves sinners. I'm glad the blood still cleanses the deepest, darkest stain of sin. And drug addicts can get saved. And whoremongers can get saved. And wicked people can get saved. And rebellious people can get saved. Anybody can get saved who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. God wants His churches to reach these unwanted and helpless groups in society. Matter of fact, Jesus specifically told the disciples to do good to the poor. Mark 14, verse 7 says, For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. Our Lord even said that the poor in spirit were blessed. Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's better to be poor with God than rich without God. Christ's parable teaches us to include the poor in all of our activities. Look at verse 13. Luke chapter 14, verse 13. But when thou makest a feast, call or invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Some churches make the mistake of only going after the rich in the community. They say things like, well, poor people don't pay the bills. And bus kids don't keep the lights on. And that's true. But let me remind Curtis Corner Baptist Church tonight that rich people don't pay the bills either. Our faith is not in rich people. Our faith is not in the wealthy. Our faith is in the God of heaven. And if we'll go after the poor, if we'll preach the gospel to whosoever will, then God takes care of Curtis Corner Baptist Church. The Lord takes care of the needs of the church. And I believe this with all my heart. If we take care of the poor, God will take care of us. I pray we never become a church that looks down on the poor. The book of James tells a story about a man who comes in the back door, and man, he's wearing clothing and jewelry, and you can tell he's well to do. And then comes in someone you can tell is poor. And God warns you, Christian, don't treat the one who looks well-to-do differently than the one who looks poor. Don't be a respecter of persons. Jesus Christ died for both of them. God loves both of them. They both have an eternal soul. They'll both go to heaven or hell. They're both someone's father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter. They both matter. Let's not treat one more important than the other. But for the grace of God, we could be the ones living on the street. We could be the ones in the homeless shelters. We could be the ones in the abuse shelters. 
I was in Hammond, and of course the place is pretty run down. And late at night I saw three people huddled on the side of the main road, and they were tucked into a little entryway. The entryway was probably two or three feet deep off the main road and probably about four feet wide, and they were all huddled together with coats on, bedding down to sleep for the night. That breaks my heart. But for the grace of God, that could be you or I. We must love everyone that God allows us to meet, regardless of their financial condition. How do you kill the bus ministry? You stop caring for the poor. How do you kill the bus ministry? You value money over souls. There's no doubt the bus ministry is an expensive one. Buses are expensive. Diesel fuels costly. Diesel mechanics are pricey. Vehicle repairs are expensive. And some churches have done away with the bus ministry due to its high cost. And I feel their pain. We're over budget this year in our and our vehicle maintenance budget. Uh, we've spent more money on towing this year than, than we have in, in 10, 12 years. But you know, cost is relative. What do I mean by that? A $20,000 dog is expensive. A $20,000 house is cheap. If all you look at is the money but you don't look at what the money is paying for, then our thinking gets out of whack. See, cost is determined by the value you place on something. Why is it someone can go to the store and buy something for $100 and two years later it's barely used sitting in a yard sale for a buck fifty? Value, worth are more important than cost. Here's the eternal question. How much is a soul worth? How much is a soul worth? What price do you put on a soul? Well, Jesus gave us the answer. Turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 and the famous verse 36. If you don't have it memorized, you ought to memorize it. Bookmark it, highlight it, memorize it. Mark eight thirty-six. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So here's the calculation. Jesus said, if you gained the entire world and everything in it, and you lost your soul and went to hell... That's a bad deal. So one soul is worth more than the entire world and everything in it. That's why Jesus went to the cross, hung on the cross, shed his precious blood, dying for sins that weren't his to save the world. And I believe if it had just been you or if it had just been me, 
he would have still died because your soul, my soul, a poor person's soul, a nursing home person's soul, a prison person's soul, a bus kid's soul is worth more than all the world and everything in it. So when it comes to ministry, we can't look at the dollars spent alone. But if you compare bus ministry expenses to the worth of the souls that come to Christ, by that estimation, the bus ministry is an absolute bargain. If every dollar our church had ever spent on the bus ministry and one person got saved, it would be a bargain. It would be a steal. And let us never get to the place where we look at the profit and loss statement and go, ooh, I don't know if that's worth it. No, look at the little kids that walk in off those buses during our Sunday school assembly time and say, that one's worth it, and that one's worth it, and that one's worth it, and that one's worth it. How do you kill a bus ministry? Well, you just stop caring for lost people. Number two, you value money over souls. Number three, you dismiss the worth of a child's faith. This one really burns me. Critics complain that mostly children get saved in the bus ministry. They scoff at the simple faith of children. They'll say things like, how many of them really mean it anyway? They'll say things like, where are they now? How many of them are really saved? We can't just spend money on kids. If you begin to dismiss the worth of a child's faith, the bus ministry doesn't make any sense. But I tell you tonight that that type of thinking is diabolical and the spirit of Antichrist. Consider these verses. Look at Mark chapter 10. And I know we've looked at them before. We can't ever get too far away from them. Mark chapter 10 Verse 13, and they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and he put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. See, as scoffers and complainers say that, well, the bus ministry is mostly just kids. They dismiss the value of a child's faith. We see Jesus placed an incredibly high value on the faith of children. In fact, Jesus lifted up a child as the example of saving faith. If you don't get saved like this child, you'll never go to heaven. And so I'm not part of that crowd that dismisses the worth of a child. I think children really do get saved. Matter of fact, fact, statistics tell us that most people that claim the name of Christ in America today were saved when they were children. Let's get the little children to Jesus. Amen. How do you kill a bus ministry next? Desire the weekends for yourself. Desire the weekends for yourself. See, the bus ministry is intense. 
There's a lot of ministries in the church that have varying levels of difficulty and intensity, but the bus ministry is intense. It's not for the lazy or the faint of heart. You see, in the bus ministry, Saturday visitation's a must. If, if people don't get visited on Saturdays, the bus ministry dies. Remember, we're dealing with children. We're dealing with the poor. They're hurting. We're dealing with the maimed. They're disabled. And maybe not physically disabled, but disabled in character. Disabled in what they value. They're limping along through life. And they might need, like a palsied man, they might need someone to pick them up and carry them to Jesus. And the bus workers go out and they, every Saturday, they knock on the door and they visit the regulars to make sure they're coming, building relationships with children and parents, proving the love of Christ week after week, showing up. And then they go after new people each week. If new doors aren't knocked on, if new children aren't found, the bus ministry dies, just a slow, painful death. The very nature of the bus ministry, people move away. Uh, family priorities change. Parents might change their mind about letting the kids come. Kids get older and get enamored with the things of the world. And so one surefire way to make sure that the bus ministry dies is if just nobody visits on the weekend. And then, of course, it's not just a Saturday ministry, it's a Sunday ministry. Bus ministry means getting up early in the morning on Sunday and getting ready early, eating breakfast early and getting to church long before some people are even awake and starting a bus. And this time of year, getting in a cold bus. And I don't know how it works, but no matter how cold it is, inside the bus is colder than outside. It's like a freezer. And you're hot in the summer and you're cold in the winter. But you get up early before some people are even up and you're on a bus driving to go pick people up. And you're knocking on doors, bringing people. You get to church before Sunday school starts. And then after church, you don't go home and just eat lunch and take a nap. You get back on the bus and you take people back home and you love on them on the way home. And you get back sometimes after people have already eaten. And see, the bus ministry is intensive. The return on your spiritual investment is incredibly high, but it also requires work. And one way Satan kills bus ministries is whenever church people say, well, let somebody else do that. Just let somebody else do it. I'm for it, preacher. I want it to be done. God bless you. Let somebody else do it. And if everybody has that mentality, then the bus ministry dies. How do we kill a bus ministry? And number five, refuse to get a CDL. Without a bus driver, there's no bus ministry. We can have car ministry. We can have van ministry. But there's no bus ministry without people having a CDL. And I was talking to one man. He'd been in the bus ministry a long time. He said, I think the most important people in the bus ministry are the drivers. He said, because you could have 100 people standing out there waiting in the morning, but if nobody comes by to pick them up, you don't have a bus ministry. 
I am of the opinion that every responsible 21-year-old in the church should get a CDL. Now, if you're running over people on the sidewalk and you've got 13 accidents and, and uh, 47 speeding tickets and those kinds of things, we're probably not going to let you drive a bus. But if you're responsible and you're over 21, I mean, you understand the church will pay for you to get a CDL. I would have a CDL just to be a backup bus driver in case I was ever needed. And then just as a man, that just gives me one other thing. If I fall on tough times, that gives me one other thing I can do to make money. I can go drive a straight truck or go drive a delivery truck or a, a fuel delivery, whatever. It just makes sense to me. And when I was 21, I, was, I was, had, had my a permit before I was even 21 driving. And then uh, wanted to get my CDL right away. That doesn't mean if you don't have a CDL, you're not right with God. I mean, a lot of good people don't have one. I'm just saying... In my mind, in a church with a bus ministry, every responsible 21-year-old could have their license. Even if they're not driving all the time and say, hey, I'm here if you ever need me. I'll be a backup. But with no driver, there's no bus ministry. How do we kill a bus ministry? We said, number one, Stop caring for the poor. Number two, value money over souls. Number three, dismiss the worth of a child's faith. Number four, desire the weekends for yourself. Number five, refuse to get a CDL. And number six, and I already mentioned this, expect someone else to do it. And I'll be honest with you, the bus ministry isn't for everybody. And as I look around the auditorium, many of you, your life is not ready to be in the bus ministry. It's just too, it's too intense. But some of you could. And maybe you can't do all of it, but you can do some of it. Maybe you can't visit, but you can drive. Maybe you can't drive every week, but you can be a backup. Maybe you can't ride on Sunday, but you can visit on Saturday. Everybody can do something. But think about this. One of these days, you and I were going to have run our race on earth. We won't have the strength, the stamina. Perhaps we'll even be in heaven. And I, I just hope, I hope that there's all kinds of people running around heaven that I helped put there. I hope there's all kinds of people running around heaven that you helped put there. Because I'll tell you, the things that seem so important now, most of it won't mean anything then. But then it'll be too late. That's why the song says, work for the night is coming. There's coming a day when no man can work. Someone has to be more interested in earthly rewards and eternal rewards than earthly pleasures. Someone must be willing to sacrifice their time and talent and treasure for the salvation of children. And this ministry is an important one to our church. And I'll be honest with you, we could use more help for the bus ministry. 
We need backup drivers. We need drivers. We need people to visit. But even if you can't do all of that, my hope and prayer is that everybody in this church would agree together and say, man, God, thank you that we have a bus ministry. Thank you that our church values those precious little children. Thank you we're willing to spend the money and people are willing to get up and go and sacrifice. And Lord, maybe I can't do it myself, but I'm a thousand percent on board as we try to get the gospel to everyone. Let's decide as a church that we're never going to allow these sinful attitudes to take root in our church. Amen? Bus ministry is a wonderful ministry. I'm thankful to be a part of it. You say, where are all those bus kids? Where, what happens to them? Where do they go? Well, one of them stand in front of you. And you see, when I was four, four or five, I rode the bus for the first time. Then we moved, and maybe someone said, ah, that kid, I knew he wouldn't make it. Where are they now? And then we moved, and a few years later, the same bus captain found me again, knocking on doors, found my family, came back to church for a while, and then we moved again, and perhaps someone said, oh, see, I knew they wouldn't make it. Where are they now? Well, the truth is we're all over the world. One preacher was just down in Texas and he gave a track at a place of business and they said, I'm saved. They said, how'd you get saved? And they said, well, I rode a bus up near Chicago when I was a child. And I got saved and now I'm going to a church here in this town. That's pretty encouraging. One preacher was talking to another preacher and he said, he said, uh, where'd, you, where'd you get saved? And he said, well, I was riding a bus years ago, and I got saved, and then our family moved. And then I ended up getting in a good church, went to Bible college, married a good wife, became a preacher, now I pastor this church. The preacher who asked him the question actually knew the man who was the bus captain when that young boy got saved. And he said, does, does brother so-and-so, does he know you're a pastor? And he said, no, I doubt it. I haven't talked to him since I was a child. And so that older preacher called up his friend and said, you'll never guess who I met today. Someone that rode your bus who's pastoring a church in Florida. You see, folks, there's all kinds of stories we're not going to know until we get to heaven. And sometimes it's discouraging but God's got a way of making it all work out, amen? And so we just keep planting the seed. We sow, we water, but it's God that gives the increase. Let's make sure Satan doesn't kill our bus ministry, amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come to a church that cares about souls and we're interested in getting the word out. Lord, thank you for each person that's gotten saved through our bus ministry over the years thank you for the one that was born again this afternoon at the nursing home we just want to be a church that's busy about going after sinners and so lord i pray that you would 
help our church to always have a desire and a goal to go after the lost. And thank you for the tool of the bus ministry. We're grateful for it. I pray you'd provide for the needs. Pray you'd send forth labors into the harvest. And Lord, give us the people we need to work in the ministries that you've called us to have here in our church. And Lord, there's a lot of doctrine we could look at in this message. Maybe we don't value going after the poor. We don't see our responsibility to reach them. Perhaps we, someone may dismiss the faith of a child and they have that cynical attitude. Perhaps some are really protective of their time and their possessions and their stuff and they see ministry as a, an attack on their comfort and privilege. We talked about a lot of different things today, Lord. I just pray that you'd help us to have a heart to go after sinners, whatever the cost. And please protect our buses, protect our bus ministry. Help us to always have a desire to see your house full. Heads about, eyes are closed. Let's stand. If the Lord spoke to your heart about anything, as the piano plays, the altar comes, the altar's open, you come.